0: Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. So this week you're stuck with me again because Sam is on her holidays. She's here, but it'll be me telling you a story. Um, So this week I'm going to do a really high, really high, what? A high requested one um, that quite a few people have asked us to do, so I am doing it. So this week I'm going to tell you the story of Thomas McCulloch and Robert Moan. have you heard of this case most likely not (laughs) no of course I haven't (laughs) (laughs) okay this was requested by quite a few people actually Um, and once I started researching I can understand why so honestly brace yourselves because this one is a wild wild one so I'm going to start with Robert Moan so Moan was born in Dundee in 1948 And he grew up as the only boy in the family and it was him and his four sisters, I think. He was beaten up by his dad um, quite badly and mum actually left when he was two. So him and his sisters were left with his dad. And as I said, he was the only boy in the family. He was sexually abused in his early teens by a neighbour. And this kind of seemed to be a bit of a weird relationship with the neighbour, like I think it was, you know, that when they've got Stockholm syndrome, I think they can end up, I don't think he was diagnosed with that, but I kind of, from what I was reading, I got vibes of that. He went to a Catholic high school and was classed as quite unruly and was actually expelled at 15 years old and went to an approved school in London. But I don't think this went really well but he stayed in London for some time where he tried to rekindle his relationship with his mum who was living down there with a new partner and was married and everything but I think this was quite tricky so he actually moved out there and lived like he ended up pretty much homeless as a child in London so he stayed with friends and stuff in London and in 1966 he joined the army and at 18 he went away with the army, he went to Germany, and he came back to Scotland, and the way the army kind of was at that time was a lot of heavy drinking, so he became a bit of a heavy drinker, and in 1967 in October in Dundee, he was seen in pubs quite a lot, he was on leave from the army, but he actually didn't return to work, and actually went wall, as they call it in the army he actually fell into depression and tried to kill himself tried to take an overdose and he actually failed which left him obviously unwell from the overdose but also more depressed because his suicide attempt had failed on November the 1st he was drinking at a pub and this was actually opposite his old school and he got really really angry about the fact that he was expelled like it just kind of came back to him so when you have like these moments where You think about things that have happened to you in the past. And bear in mind, sorry, he's dressed in his army, like army kind of uniform at this time. And he actually goes over to St. John's High School, his old school. Now, when I like this is just my opinion, and I don't know if you're the same, but just to clarify, this was during the day. Like when I was first reading this, I thought this was the evening, but it is actually during the day that he is at the pub. Now, he actually goes into the old school and goes into a classroom where Annette Hansen. Is teaching an all-female needlework class. Now Annette had just recently moved to Dundee, she was also recently married and just found out recently as well she was pregnant. Now Robert Moon just walks into this class and I think everyone was just a bit like oh until he actually shows them that he is carrying a double-barrelled shotgun. Now he basically locks and holds everybody up in this classroom, he tells everyone to get against the walls and kind of creates a bit of a hostage situation almost. Um, But this is children and he's getting children to barricade the doors with their tables and another teacher named Margaret Christie actually hears like a bit of commotion and people crying in the classroom. So she comes to see what the noise is and he actually fires a shot into the ceiling, kind of alerting that he's there. So the whole school is evacuated apart from this needlework class. Now, I also read that he kissed one of the girls and sexually assaulted another one, but I actually can't find the girls' ages. So, of course, this is horrendous as it is, but I don't know how young they actually were. He actually went to shoot one of the people's in the head, but the trigger jammed and actually saved this girl's life. Now, Annette tried to talk him down, and he agreed he wanted to speak to an old friend named Marion Young, and he hadn't seen her in years, I think about three years' time. Uh, three years ago, sorry. So they made an agreement. if she got married in here he would let the pupils go so annette passed this on to the police and they traced her and she was an 18 year old nurse working um and she went to the school and actually went to the classroom to try and talk him down like i don't know how i would feel if a friend hadn't spoken to in three years all of a sudden held up a classroom and i was asked to come and be the kind of negotiator but she goes to the school and goes into the classroom and as agreed they get the students out And Marion and Annette are trying to plead with him because he's not letting either of them go yet. Now, at one point, I think Robert was distracted on something else and Marion tried to grab the gun, but he got there first. Now, bear in mind, it's about 4.30 in the afternoon now. They're still in there. And Mon asks Annette to close the blinds. And as she's closing the blinds of the classroom, he shoots her point blank range in the back now Marion rushed over by her side and at this point when they heard the gunshot the police completely stormed the room and were ready to like take Mon down but he was calmly sat on the teacher's desk just like on the table just like singing like swaying his eyes kind of thing he was arrested with absolutely no fight at all Um, and it was of course rushed to hospital but unfortunately she died while in hospital due to the wound on her back in 1968 he went on trial and he didn't plead guilty, didn't say anything. So he was actually diagnosed as schizophrenia and insane. So he went to Carstairs Hospital. And this is when you don't have any like no limit of time. It's not like you're there for X many years. It's just a limitless amount of time. Now, just to quickly jump in there and tell you a bit more about Carstairs. So Carstairs is a psychiatric hospital near the village of Carstairs in South Lanarkshire. So if you don't know where South Lanarkshire is, that is in Scotland and it kind of borders the southeast of the city of Glasgow and continues some of the bigger like suburban towns such as like Carstairs now it takes patients from Scotland and Northern Ireland and it has about 140 people and it provides care and treatment in conditions of high security so I was reading into this as well so it only takes patients from Scotland and Northern Ireland so that's why they've also got oh is it? The other, the other one in England, I've completely forgot its name, and um, that's gonna really annoy me. Broadmoor in England, that would not that wouldn't accept Scottish people, so they go here. Now it was built in 1939 as a military hospital for World War Two, um, but actually then started to become the state institution. And in October 1951, a transfer of mentally ill patients from another Scottish hospital um, were transferred there, and that's when it was then called the State Mental Hospital. And there's been quite a few like infamous names that have stayed there in this time. But once I tell you this story, these two guys are quite like one of the most infamous probably. So Robert Mone actually embraced this kind of treatment almost and embraced learning and became pretty much like a new man. He did a long distance law degree. He got a job at the um, hospital magazine and he became like this model prisoner. Now, the guards only had one concern about him, and that's what—that's because he showed obsessive behaviour with another patient, who was Thomas McCulloch. Now, Thomas McCulloch was born in Clyde Bank, which is six miles away from Glasgow. He was known quite openly as a drug user and an alcohol abuser. He would be violent when he was drunk or angry. And in 1970, he would have been 22 years old and he went to the Erskine Bridge Hotel on the banks of the River Clyde for his lunch. Now McCulloch complained about the lack of butter that was served with his bread roll so he actually went to the kitchen to complain about this and to which he pulled a gun and shot the chef in the face at point blank range. Now the restaurant manager, a woman I didn't actually get her name, comes running in when she hears it and he shoots her as well in the shoulder. Now the police arrive and obviously kind of has a bit of a hold up trying to get them in but they get in, and he's arrested and charged obviously and when he's arrested he's found with four firearms on him so he had four guns on him at this time now luckily both the chef and the manager survived and um, the girl couldn't work again at all and the chef needed a completely reconstructed face so thomas was obviously known as being like insane and had murderous tendencies which is bizarre so he went to Carstairs Mental Hospital in 1970. Now the two men became quite good friends there was rumours that they were sexually kind of involved but none of that's really been confirmed now the leader of this friendship was Thomas over Robert really like he was known as being quite manipulative and kind of in charge of this. Now the main part of this story takes place in 1976 now the pair are still good friends like the guards are a bit like worried at how close this friendship is but they haven't really done anything bad for them to like be worried they're just a bit like oh they're quite close now they joined the drama group in the hospital and this was run by officer neil mcclellan and they were actually putting on the play of mice and men now if you went to school in scotland you'll know of mice and men so that's the play they were putting on at this time now they both worked on it like the props department but they were actually secretly making weapons, storing weapons, uniforms etc as they were planning an escape from Crister's. They also, well Moan, managed to make fake IDs and they had this all kind of stored in a box looking like it was props for the show. Now on November the 30th 1976, um, this is the day they decided to carry out their plans. It was a horrible night, it was really really rainy, it's just before December so it's always in Scotland freezing as it is so it's really really cold then now at 5pm they're collected from themselves by their cells by Neil McClellan to do some more stuff for the drama project now Neil had actually finished his shift but stayed later to help them continue on with their props Um, and they brought along their box full of weapons etc and went to like the workshop at about 6pm everyone had left apart from them like they two, McClellan and another patient called Ian Simpson Now, what they did is they first got paint stripper and threw this in the faces of Ian McClellan and, oh, sorry, not Ian McClellan, Neil McClellan and the patient Ian Simpson. Now, Moan thought this would be enough, thought, like, if they throw paint stripper in their face, they're going to be completely taken aback and they're not going to do anything. But, of course, the two men go into, like, fight mode and start trying to, obviously, fight for their lives. When McCulloch pulls out an axe and begins hacking at Simpson's skull, Moan is stabbed and, basically, Moan, sorry, stabs at McClellan and basically keeps stabbing him and stabbing him now Simpson survived the axe attack so Amon got a pitchfork and stabbed it through his chest McCulloch then got a knife and cut off Simpson's ears and kept them as a kind of memorabilia thing now the bodies lay there for around an hour until they were discovered so after they've done this the two men flee they grab the keys off neil mcclellan's belt and they flee this is the start of their like running away but the bodies are there for about an hour so they have an hour of time that i'm going to tell you what they did but before anybody actually noticed they were missing now a nurse john hughes entered the room to find obviously neil on the floor he saw him first and he was like the room was covered in blood you're talking it's on the roof etc and saw the keys had been cut so he raised the warning but at this time he thought ian simpson was with them so he thought it was thomas robert and ian that had all done this because there was a room like off the main office so he went in there and that is when he found Ian Simpson who had actually been murdered but had also been scalped and the remains of his scalp were lying on a chair for him to also find. Now Moan was the one that actually got the keys and they escaped outside using a rope ladder they had built so they like used this to get over the fence and then they put on their fake nursing uniforms and beards and moan laid on the ground, pretending to have been in an accident. And McCulloch like flagged down a car for help, basically being like, Oh, like I need help, etc. So the initial car pulled up, and what pulls up behind them? But a police car. Now, PC John Gillies, I think his name is, and PC George Taylor were on a routine patrol and obviously saw McCulloch, so they stopped and went to help. And they go along with the story basically saying that McCulloch is a nurse and Moan is the patient, he needs to help, so they go towards Moan first obviously because he's lying on the floor and McCulloch goes behind and attacks PC Gillies with a knife. Now Moan then gets the axe and goes towards PC Taylor, but he was quite a big guy and he obviously is going to fight back, that's his job. So he actually goes for Moan, but Moan begins swinging this and swinging a knife etc. Now PC Taylor was stabbed several times and had slashes across both his face and body. And the other policemen had actually ran off at this point. So they're like, don't know where he'd gone. So they managed to get to hospital. John Gillies went to hospital and he survived with quite a lot of wounds, of course. But George Taylor, unfortunately, died at the scene. Now, they then steal the police car and continue their escape. So Moan was using the police radio at this time as well, kind of pretending to be police and to like throw them off their tracks to be like, oh, nothing's happening kind of thing. But because of his driving and the weather conditions, McCulloch actually ended up crashing his car as it slid on ice and went flying into a ditch. So they were obviously quite injured, but they also then had lost their vehicle. Now, a van had seen this vehicle crashing, so a van pulled up to help. And then they now obviously are in a police car, so they pretend to be the police, but now needs help with his prisoner that's in the back of the police car. So Jack McElroy and William Lennon are the two men that are in the van and they get out and then McCulloch stabs at them both with a knife. They're obviously both quite injured and they're thrown into the back of their own van and McCulloch starts driving the van. Now, due to the weather, it was also quite bad road conditions and he saw some lights up ahead and didn't know if that was maybe someone coming to get him. He's obviously extremely paranoid as well. So he drives into a field, but due to the weather again, it gets stuck because the field is so wet so in the field they're near roberton where they see a farmhouse and the pair go to this farmhouse and knock on the door and they burst in and in here's a family you're talking mum dad four kids kind of thing and they go bursting in and ask for the keys to their car now luckily none of this family got harmed they just wanted the keys to the car and left so as you said everyone else they've been involved with has ended up being hurt or if not killed So they didn't do anything of that. They just stole the keys and left. But of course, the farmer calls the police and is like, my vehicle's been stolen. And immediately they're like, right, okay, this will be them. Now, the two men as well, Jack McElroy and William Lennon, were found in the back of their van. And they were fine. They survived. Now, they know that the car is now on the A74, which is the motorway connecting Scotland and England. And the car is found and police basically chase it down. And they get to about Carlisle. And the vehicle is actually hit by a police car, and they skidded and stopped. But they kept trying; they still didn't give up. So they got out of the car, ran across the road, and stopped another car, and told this man to get out. So the man gets out and runs away. They get in the car, but the man had taken his keys out the ignition, so they couldn't go anywhere. So the police successfully got them. Now, in 1977, they went to trial at Edinburgh High Court, and they both pleaded guilty. Like, of course. Like I don't think there was any other way they could have, like, pled in this case, to be quite honest with you. Um, Robert Moon was done with murdering PC George Taylor and Thomas McCulloch was done with murdering Neil McClellan and Ian Simpson. Now, the jury took, like, absolutely no time to do anything. I think it was about an hour. And they were sentenced to life. They went to jail, but they were split into different jails. So Thomas McCulloch went to Peterhead and Robert Moon went to Perth Prison. Now in 2002 the law changed so everybody's sentences were reviewed so so were theirs and they got minimum sentences so like before they just had life so life was life but then I have to have like life with a minimum off so Robert Moans was changed to 25 years and McCulloch was changed to 30 years which meant in 2005 Thomas McCulloch then moved to Castle Huntley which is like an unsupervised I'll say unsupervised prison it means like They've got more freedom and get ready to basically be rehabilitated out into the community again. In 2007, a release programme basically began being done for Moan. And he went on to two different outings, in Edinburgh, and was absolutely fine, like model prisoner. Um, If it went well, which he had another two to do, and if they went well, he could apply for an outside work placement. So he would leave the prison every day, go to work and come back. However, the press found out about this and they basically began complaining. So, unfortunately, Robert Moan never got his work placement. I say, unfortunately, mm, I don't know. Like, I've kind of said this before. Like I I'm pretty know. glad, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah, like, I feel like I, I, I like the fact that people can, like, rehabilitate and everything. But they put on this act of being model prisoners to help with the drama group, to then get out, etc. So I just feel like maybe, yeah, I don't feel like after what they'd done, they would be very good out and about in the community. In 2010, Thomas McCulloch was going to be released into the Dumbarton area. Now, locals found out and basically began giving threats, being like, if he arrives here, he ain't leaving here, like, we're going to kill him, kind of thing. So in his unsupervised visits out in the community, he actually met a woman called Susan and began having an affair with this woman. Now, her husband James found out, was absolutely furious, so divorced her. And our family are also, like, what the fuck? Like, her son was, like, obviously really not happy about it. Um, and Susan and Thomas McCulloch are together to this day. They live in Dundee. And he's actually openly seen. Like, I kind of Googled him now. And if you Google him, there's tons. Like, he basically was living in Dundee and living a pretty normal life with his partner. Um, Robert no won't way. Have, yeah, honestly. He's living, like, there's pictures of him in, like, lockdown, like, watering his plants and stuff. So like he's out living like a very, very normal life. Like he's obviously older now. He's in like his kind of late seventies. Robert Moan on the other Arnold. hand Yeah, Robert Moan on the other hand has never been released. And to this day is actually known as Scotland's oldest prisoner. He has been in an incident, so he basically keeps getting probation to or like time added on to his sentence. Now the most famous incident that he did basically is he went onto the rooftop of his prison, he escaped onto the rooftop to complain about the conditions. Of Perth prison um, and basically he like snuck off at like 2 p.m while working the prison laundry climbed out onto the roof and basically shouted to people that he was Robert Moan, the in quotes top security prisoner and basically said he was going to stay up there for like two days maybe three he broke things on the roof um and obviously because of this all the other prisoners were locked up, et cetera. But, like, prisoners were encouraging him to do it during this, like, protest. um, And he basically was moaning about, like, the fact his light's on for, like, 24 hours a day. He's locked up for 23 hours out of the 24. um, He gets no privacy. They treat us, like, animals, all this kind of stuff. And, I mean, a lot of the things he was complaining about are kind of just, like, prison things. Like, and I, I kind of feel quite bad, but I'm kind of, like, don't commit a crime to end up in prison if you don't want to live the prison life but that's just me um he also attacked someone with like boiling water and he also like changed his name while in prison to like James Smith that was maybe going to help him when he got out but of course he's never got out so yeah he's still into this day in 2015 he actually sent letters to a journalist tell him about the night of the murders and actually put a lot of the blame onto Thomas McCulloch and said that Thomas said there was going to be absolutely no witnesses to his crime. So Moan actually believed that Thomas was going to end up killing him at the end. Now, in a letter to a pen pal as well, he also admitted that he was currently in a relationship with a man in his prison in Perth. Which then links back to, was he in a relationship with Thomas McCulloch? Like, loads of kind of questions about that, but he's never openly came out. I think he keeps that quite quiet. So overall, after their crimes, three men ended up dead and three men ended up injured. And they were being rehabilitated at that time for the outside. And reading an article, someone said they completely conned staff to believing that they were on the mend. And I think that's why I'm kind of glad Robert Moan isn't out because they, and it's worrying that Thomas McCulloch is, because they put on such an amazing act to convince staff that they were, like, fine to get out. And actually, they were quite happy to brutally murder people do you know along the way um which yes yeah, Mantha, i don't know your thoughts no i completely agree and i am the fact that thomas is out as well he seemed the more violent person you know scalped someone axe in the head shot someone in the face like yeah very violent and he's out and the, it's it's crazy the yeah. whole story yeah it's just like wow we'd never thought that happened in scotland (laughs) yeah it is one i think because it's older it isn't one you like hear much about um but yeah i think it kind of I'm all for like people rehabilitating so i think this is the one that's like the exception against the rule i'm like i just don't believe them which sounds really bad but yes i just don't really believe them anyway i'm not finished yet I have another story to tell you that links to this case so bear with me when I tell you this because it will make sense so in January 1979 Agnes Waugh a 17 78 year old woman goes missing in Dundee now she is not seen for about a week so this is reported to police and when they get there like her house is wide open and her house looks like she was just there kind of not like a She's run away, not that she's not been there in a while. It looks like I've literally just walked out my house, back in a way. So the police begin looking for her and they go to her friend's house, Jean Simpson, and they knock on the door, like when they're doing their door-to-door procedure, but she didn't answer. And they have a familiar smell when they get there. And I think police probably get used to this smell, unfortunately. And they go inside to find the bodies of three dead women. Now, Agnes and Jean had their wrists strapped and had been beaten and strangled with their own stockings. And the third woman was a 29-year-old called Catherine Miller, who had actually got married six days before she was murdered. And she'd been strangled by an electric cable, which was left on her body when she was found. And Agnes's face had been punched so hard, she had a mark of a ring that was left on her face. Then that is what they were going to look for to identify the person that done this. Now, they obviously start speaking to her family and start interviewing the last one of the last people to see her, blah, blah. And one of the last people to see her was her nephew, Sonny Robert Moon Sr., Robert Moan's dad. Now, he was known as Sonny. And this is the dad that obviously abused Robert Moon when he was a child. Anyway, he has his interview and he basically says, like, yeah, I was there, but I wasn't the last person to see her alive. And this person was. So when they interview this person, they're like, "Mm, he's lying to you. He was the last person to see them alive." So obviously he then kind of gets onto police's radar, um, and they kind of just keep an eye on him. Now Sonny wasn't a great guy to just kind of sum it up, like, and I think my main issue with him is he boasts about Robert's Robert's crime, and he really talks about that a lot, and discusses a silver ring with a kind of green jewel on it that Robert Moan had actually left him. Now, um, police have looked for this ring because people like have obviously said to the police he wears a ring. They look for it while searching his house. They can't find it. Now, the rumours are starting to build up and evidence, etc. So they do arrest him. And bullseye, he has the ring on when he is arrested. Now, he's just known as this like, horrible guy like involved in loads of crime. Just known in Dundee as just being a bit of a like horrible man, basically. And on the 29th of December, he was drunk and said he was drunk when he committed these murders. On in June 1979, he went on trial and was found guilty um, by the jury. He was sentenced to 15 years and showed absolutely no remorse. And he actually asked for his sentence to be backdated. And his wife Mary was like so happy, like it was an absolute relief. Um, like he had tried to strangle her like three times, it said it was horrendous. Now, why I'm bringing this back is he actually told his wife Mary he wanted to, in quotations, do one better than his son and wanted to join him in prison and said he wanted to be more notorious than his son was for his crime. So, like, I've heard this before when, like, people's parents commit crimes and they're like, oh, like, I wish... I was like them or etc. cetera, blah da blah, blah blah But I've never heard this where a parent wants to, like, out crime their child to the stage where like you are going to do a murder because he wanted to be more famously known for his crime than his son now as i described him he was a horrible wee man and this continued in prison he'd been there for about three and a half years but it was january 13th 1983 and he was in his workshop area of the prison when another prisoner anthony john curry ran in and stabbed him in the neck And continuously stabbed him until he died. And he died at the scene after guards broke it up. So he was actually murdered three and a bit years into prison. And do I think he's more famous than his son? No. I don't think he was. But also not a great thing to be famous for. Like if my child committed a horrendous murder, I wouldn't want to one up them on that. So that's just a wee side story for you, because I just found that absolutely bizarre. Like I was I was really taken aback by that. Um, but yeah, to sum up, Robert Moan is still in prison. His dad was murdered in prison. And as I said, Thomas McCulloch, known by the papers as the Triple Axe Killer, is basically spotted quite openly in Dundee at his partner's house. Like he's out walking their dog, etc. Um, yeah, so it's quite bizarre if you Google it, it is very interesting but yeah that is all from me samantha do you have anything you want to add no I, that was just all wild and yeah <laughs> that's all i have to isn't say. it just just crazy and the dad as well like oh god's sake man just mental yeah. i've never heard that like i've definitely heard it for like about kids showing kids are like they want to commit a crime because their parent has or they end up involved in crime because our parent was etc i've heard of that i have never in my life heard of a parent wanting to like outcrime their child which is bizarre but yeah that's a story about the escape from carstairs which i can't believe it's not more covered um because i as you said i can't believe it happened like literally on our doorstep